Love Talk Radio. Spring football is over, and needless to say, the boss was quite pleased. We give you Mark Richt. Our biggest issue is depth, really. Um, when you're playing two and three teams in the spring and even early fall, you're, you're like, oh, we're so thin, you know, but... If all you have to do is get one team out there, then your depth all of a sudden feels a little bit more comfortable. Uh, so right now we, we felt super thin because we got the team split in half and we are going, you know, had a pretty good tempo, not many timeouts. And then what we did is just a, to kind of reset and go, quick little halftime. So uh, it's hard to say, but I, I think if we stay healthy and, and guys, uh, you know, take care of business in the offseason, we'll, we'll be okay. But we get a couple uh, injuries in a couple spots, it would be, it would hurt, it would hurt us. We're not as strong as we need to be as far as numbers. Coach, one position where you do have depth is running back. How do you uh, see that battle after uh, after spring you know, ball here? Just all spring long, I thought that the top three guys had some really uh, nice days. But, you know, uh, uh, you know Chalk did, did some really wonderful things uh, in, in, this, in this spring, too. I think he really elevated himself. He uh, really improved as well, so. I liked what happened with him early on. It looked like, you know, three guys, and then, uh, you know, he's really starting to play well. So he'll, he'll put, he put his ring in the hat. His Mark, hat in the ring, excuse me. Mark, what has to happen this summer now? Well, they got to get in great condition. they got to get they take care of their academics. You know, they've got to um, you know, behave off the field and those kind of things. Um, just work hard. Just, just um, there's enough of uh, installation on both sides of the ball where uh, they'll know what to do. They'll know there's a golf summer. Nowadays we're allowed to be with them a little bit and meet with them and things like that. So um, I think when we start installing in the fall compared to the start of day one, it'll be a huge difference. What's your assessment of the guys behind Brad? Well, like I said, it's hard to assess. It was just there weren't many opportunities to have guys open. There weren't many opportunities to to be able to stand in the pocket and make a throw. Um, you know, we did have the one really nice drive to start out uh, with Malik, which was nice uh, for that two unit. After that, it was, it was tough sled for all of them. Coach uh, Quarterman did well. Like, I heard his praise for his leadership this spring. Yeah. Uh, he was one of the lead tacklers. Uh, well, he, he's a tough kid. He's a smart kid. Uh, he loves football. Mm-hmm. He loves, uh, loves his team. Uh, loves his university. Very happy that he's here. You know, I am. He is. Um, you know, I, I talked to him a little bit about it. I mean, he got a co-defensive uh, leadership award, uh, and, and it's more. I told him it's more for your characteristics of leadership. I'm not saying you're the leader of the defense yet, but characteristics characteristics that you have are signs of a good leader. You know, hard work, uh, tough, dependable. Uh, you know, take care of business in school. Taking, uh, you know, just being coachable, being teachable, and uh, and not being afraid to compete when you're just a 17, 18-year-old kid. Coach, of Alex Gall on the sideline today mm-hmm. with a knee brace, and I know yes. a Linder was on the sideline, and I, how do you think right. the line didn't got, got the air? So how did yeah. the center? Yes, uh, not bad, not bad. There's, there's a sack here and there, a bust up front here and there. Uh, they were bringing nice little blitz and twists and things of that nature, a little line movement up front, which we didn't handle perfectly, but... You know, overall, we moved the ball at times. We ran the ball well at times. We threw the ball well at times. I'm talking about the one unit. Uh, it, you know, when you get to the second unit, it, it was just really tough. You, um, 
is just tough sledding. Mark, the defensive line, especially that first unit, overall, how would you evaluate? And then make some adjustments. Yeah, I don't think, I don't know if we really have a first line. I think we our first and second line are, are like tied for first for the most part. Um, Maybe on the edges it's a little bit different, but uh, we are rolling a lot of players, and, and we hope our strength will be in numbers. And uh, you know, guys that can play, but guys that can rotate heavily. Uh, but yeah, they 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 had, some, they had their moments up front on the defensive line. They got some really key stops uh, on some fourth downs and third shorts. You know, that I thought was pretty impressive. So as the dog days of summer approach, it's time for the Canes Nation to figure out just what it has with this 2016 Miami Hurricane football team. Depth is an issue in some spots. There's no question about it. But as Coach Rick very astutely noted, now it's time for him to put his best players out on the field, and he feels that if the injury bug doesn't plague this team in the fall, that the Hurricanes have enough to be quite competitive this season. No matter where you are out there, whether you were able to visit West Palm Beach or Fort Lauderdale the past few weeks and witness the Hurricanes with your own eyes, or whether you watched the broadcast of the spring game online on ESPN3, you now have had a chance to see what Rick Ball is going to be all about. Tonight is the night for you to tell us what you think as we begin a new edition of Kane Sport Live, our final show until August. Hello again, everybody. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com, and we once again welcome you to the fastest two hours in Hurricane Sports. As always, it's your show, and it'll be driven by your participation. The call-in number is 646-595-2048. That's 646-595-2048. You hit the number one on your keypad if you'd like to come on the show and participate. Plenty of open phone lines for everybody. As always, we ask the fans on the message boards at canesport.com to submit questions and topics that they would like to hear discussed on tonight's show. There's a lot of them tonight. I'll try to get to as many as possible. Um, but before we get to your calls, let me try to hit maybe one right now. Um, which position group or player was the best this spring? Which one needs the most help or improvement, and which one was the biggest surprise? Well, let's start with the best, and I don't think there's any question. You have to look at two spots on the offense. And to me, that was running back, where really all four of those guys performed very well in every scrimmage and, and, and were very consistent and reliable. And then the tight end position. I mean, you saw what, what Chris Herndon was able to do in the spring game at Lockhart on Saturday. Uh, Nujoku dropped a couple balls, didn't have his best day, but you know what he's capable of. Um, and Stan Dobart is a very, very serviceable tight end as well. So to me, running back and tight end, without question, were the two strongest top-to-bottom positions on this team right now. Um, which ones need the most help? Uh, to me, without question, the most challenged position on this team right now is cornerback. And, uh, you know, I thought Sheldrick Red Redwine looked a little bit better in, in the in the third scrimmage than he did in the first two. Um, I'll give him some props for that. He, you know, he did look like he's making some progress. Um, Corn Elder had a very good spring game after struggling a little bit in, in the prior scrimmages and being challenged by the coaches. But that's about it, folks, And you know, at that position. I mean, Michael Jackson showed a few things against the, the walk-ons, but I'm not sure you can judge 
a whole heck of a lot by that. Uh, I think he's a little bit speed challenged. Um, you know, those other guys that are there at that position really didn't show much all spring. So to me, cornerback is the most uh, without question challenged position on this football team. And then it would be followed most certainly by the offensive line where, you know, I think they've gotten to the point where they have six guys, maybe seven that they can feel somewhat comfortable putting into a ball game. Uh, but they're going to need to build on that in the fall. And if you want to get to seven, you probably got to include Alex Gall. So, and I know not too many of you guys out there, uh, and we don't want to keep picking on Alex. I mean, he, you know, he did a little bit better this spring uh, playing center than he did playing guard last year. Um, so maybe his future is as a backup center. Uh, we'll see. But, um, you know, right now, you know, those would be the spots I would say need the most help, quarterback and offensive line. Which position was the biggest surprise of the spring? I would have to say linebacker. I mean, how often do you see true freshmen come in and play the way that Shaq Quarterman and Michael Pinckney did to the point where they just walk right onto campus in our first team? Now, that's not a very strong commentary on the guys that were there before. And, but we already knew that. We, you know, we knew that this football team was going to be challenged at linebacker. That's no great surprise to any of us out here. Um, but you would never, ever predict that – true freshman can walk in at a high school. I mean, Shaq Quarterman, he's leaving town next week to go to his high school prom uh, back home up near Jacksonville. I mean, that's that's how insane this is. He starts the entire spring at middle linebacker, and he hasn't even gone to his prom yet, okay? Um, so, you know, you can look at it both ways. Obviously, lots of props to Shaq, lots of props to Michael Pinckney for doing the same Um not the greatest commentary on the guys that were returning from last year's team. Um, you know, Joan Young, I didn't think looked so bad when he was out there. It'll be interesting to see if he can work his way into the competition by the fall. Um, obviously, Darian Owens didn't get a chance to participate in spring. We'll see how he comes back in August. Um, but right now, you got to give mad props to those freshmen um, for what they did out there in spring practice. All right, we'll get to more of those questions and topics that were submitted. Um, right now, um, the phone lines are starting to rock, so let's start to get out to them. Uh, the number is 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. You hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. I want to hear from a whole bunch of you guys this week because I know you were watching on Saturday in some way, shape, or form. Um, and I could sit here and talk all night, but I, I want to hear what you guys thought of that spring game and of spring football in general. So, um, you know, let's go out to the phones right now and let's begin this evening in the 845 where you're live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Yeah, Gary, how you doing? Greg. Hey, what's up, Greg? You always manage to be first. Yeah, well, I watched the game on ESPN3. Um, I believe uh, the biggest difference is going to be Mark Wick's ability to make adjustments that James Coley didn't know how to make on the offense. Well, I think you know, a lot I, I don't of know. Hey, Greg, let me stop you for a minute. I mean, I'm not sure that's fair, and I'm going to tell you why. Mark Wick's been an offensive play caller, head coach, for you know many many years going on 20 25 years now james coley was a coordinator for like what two years 
calling his own plays. I mean, you can't even compare the two. It's not fair. It's not. It, it's it's not a. It, there's it, it, there's not even anything to debate there. Of course, Mark Richt is going to do it a lot better than James Coley. I mean, you're talking about a veteran head coach who makes four million a year. Um, he he better he better do it better than James Coley. So you know, I'm not sure that 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 you know that's a fair comparison. Okay, I want to know if you can clear something up. When someone, a kid comes into the University of Miami, signs for scholarship papers, is that for one year or four years? Well, it's definitely not a four-year contract, if that's what you're saying. I mean, uh, those things, those scholarships are annually renewable. I, I think they come into school with an understanding that, they're coming there to go to school and graduate. You know, I don't think you, you know too many kids just get booted outright. But if there are major mistakes and they're they're taking up space, you'll I think you'll often see that things get worked out and they try to find a better place for the kid. Because at the end of the day, they want to play football and they want to get on the field. And um, you know, if it's not going to happen at the school they're at, then they got to go somewhere else. And, you know, these things aren't hopeless situations now. I mean, you remember Bo Sandlin. He was at Miami, and he, he couldn't really break through here the way he wanted to, and he transferred. And uh, there's a lot of talk that he's going to get drafted in the NFL draft this year. So, you know, the, 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 there are obviously other cases like that where kids leave schools that they're at and, they go somewhere else for a better opportunity and maybe become better players and and develop futures for themselves in the game. I mean, um, so, you know, yeah, you'll see that. But to answer your question, they're not four-year contracts. They're annually renewable scholarships. But there is an unwritten code and and rule and expectation that they're going to get four years to graduate. Okay, now don't you think we have some candidates on the roster at this point that should be looking for a new school? Of if they're not going to see the light still, of day yeah, at Miami. Yeah, there's, there's still five to ten of them. There's no question about it. Uh, right. And I'm and I'm sure that those conversations are taking place, you know, or will be taking place here as they finish finals and um, you know have the opportunity to assess their future here over the summer. Um, I wouldn't be shocked at all to see a few of those guys depart. I don't think there's any question about it. Okay. Um, do you know a fan if Denacio ever got another job? Not yet. Nope. He's he still in South. I believe he's still in South Florida. His kids are finishing up school. Uh, what he plans to do after that? Not sure. We haven't spoken to Mark uh, or seen him, so not really sure. But from what I understand. Uh, he is still living in South Florida. Okay, one last thing. I don't know if you want to comment on this or not, but I'm going to say it anyway. The school is clean house of the last administration, coaching staff. The next thing they need to do is get some new announcers because those guys are horrible. They're homers, and and they're they're really bad. I don't know if you want to comment, but thank you for letting me get on the air. No, I'm friends, with, I'm friends with those, both those guys. I mean, I'm not going to disrespect okay. them. Just like I wouldn't That's expect right. them, to, I wouldn't expect them to disrespect me. Uh, what I'll say is, opinions on broadcasters is, is in the eye of the beholder. Uh, some people like that style of broadcasting. Some people want more hard-hitting analysis and 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 insight. Um, and it, it's all a personal preference. And um, you know, like 
you know, like any like anybody else that does that job on TV or the radio, uh, there's going to be some people that like them and some that don't. All right, Greg, you got, you. you got anything else? You got anything else tonight? No. Thank you very much. Have a good right, summer. Man, you too. Thank you as always for uh, getting us off to a good start. Um, all right, six four six five nine five two zero four eight. Hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go to the eight five zero. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, how you doing tonight, Gary? Doing good. Who's this? Uh, it's Travis up here in Tallahassee. What's going on, Travis? What you got for us? Well, I'm just going to piggyback real quick off of the last caller. Man, I, I, I'm i on his boat on the uh, announcers, man. The, the Z guy, Zygo, Wugga, whatever, man, awful. I, I can't stand watching State of the U updates with him. He's, he's, he's as bad as the Deegan Miller chick asking about Alex Gall in that opening interview, man. The Miami that's why we all call your show because that's the only place we can get any real information out of you guys. Um, anyways, watching that spring game, I actually came away a lot more disappointed <laughs> or um, feeling of uh, anxiety more watching it. It's um, many Diaz comments afterwards it hit r- the nail right on the head. You know, it's like when you watch these guys do something good, they actually look like they're walking off the field going to detention. Like, Oh, I'm sorry, Al Golden, uh, coach Sadafri. Oh my bad. I didn't mean to get the sack. I'm sorry. You know, no, it's yeah. funny you bring, it's funny you bring that up because that really hit home with me too. And, and I've thought a lot about that, you know, and it, it it's it's interesting that that Manny's made it such a focal point to try to get those guys to enjoy the game more and show more excitement. And I, I tried to feel like why aren't they? And, and you know, I think there's maybe a couple reasons. I think uh, you know, one, I think they're thinking a lot. They're under a lot of mental pressure out there when they're on the field, uh, playing a new scheme, trying to do the right things and not make mental errors and impress the coaches. So that. You know, I, I think that would be one thing. I, you know, maybe down the road as it, as it becomes more second nature to them um, and they can relax a little bit more, may, you know, maybe we'll start to see some more emotion. So that was one theory I had. And then the other theory I had is, you know, these guys haven't had a lot of fun playing football to this point in their careers. You know, I mean, they haven't won any championships. They haven't played. They haven't beaten any – you know, they, they don't have any signature victories um, have lost pretty much every game they've played against top shelf competition, um, which you know has, has its own psychological ramifications. I, I would imagine, and uh, so just not a lot of reason to be excited about football for these guys. Yeah, it didn't look like there was a lot of pride with them, you know, when they were. I don't know. I just didn't see the killer instinct, the animal mentality, you know, jumping yeah, around. I, I, I watched yeah. a lot of those spring games on uh, ESPNU and uh, all that stuff because they had just about all of them. And, man, people were so excited after they got an interception or something like that, hitting each other on the head, you know, whatever. And our guys were just like, yeah, all right, we did it. Sweet. <laughs> well, maybe, you know, maybe that's something that will develop by the fall. You have to hope it does. Um, but those were the two theories I came up with as to why maybe we're not seeing so much of that right now. Yeah. And it just, it seems like it might be kind of a holdover from the last staff, you know, cause they didn't really appreciate that kind of uh, mentality or whatever, you know, the, the meat no, type, I guess. I, 
No, I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's true. I, I don't. I don't think that D'Onofrio and Golden and those guys were against excitement or didn't promote excitement. I think they did. I just think that these are kids that have not had a lot of success in football, and they've been through a lot. And they've got all new coaches, and they're sitting there. They've got a, you know, fifteen practices and a whole new offense and a whole new defense are being installed in those 15 practices and they're under a lot of mental pressure. Let's be honest, you know, I mean, and the, you know, they, they want to impress the new coaches. They want to be first team and, and in the fall. And so, you know, I think that's part of it. And, and the, then I think the other part of it is because they just haven't had a lot of success that it's, that's showing that type of excitement is is not second nature to them. Yeah. Oh, I can agree with that. Overall, how do you feel these guys are grasping what these new coaches are trying to teach them? You know, like, is it coming along quickly? Because what we saw on Saturday was obviously a dumbed down, don't want to show too much, not too many blitzes. Yeah, no question. Stuff. Um, I mean, it looked pretty are, good. Are they actually grasping what they're being taught in practices of what we can't see? It looked pretty good. It looked pretty good to us. And, you know, the, the one thing that we didn't hear coaches complaining about so much which is a deviation from the past staff. You know, we didn't hear a lot of complaints about mental errors. In fact, I can't remember hearing one mental error mistake. I mean, mental error complaint the whole spring. And that doesn't mean, obviously, that there weren't some. I'm sure there were. But it certainly wasn't to the point where it was a major issue and a, and a talking point um, on the team. And uh, that that's a good thing. you know. That and, and I think that that's a tribute to the teaching that the coaches do. You know, if you've been listening to us all spring, the one thing we've consistently said when we've been asked over and over on the, on this show, and then you've also seen it in our article, uh, is the amount of teaching that's going on on the practice field. And uh, that's been the biggest difference that, you know, I personally have seen. I mean, when you go out there, you see a lot of teaching taking place. And, um, you know, the, the staff's done a nice job in that regard. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, I only have a couple more things, uh, maybe just one. Um, in regards to uh, recruiting, how how do you see this uh, class actually panning out? Because to me, when I when I look, I'm not normally a star guy. I could really care less about it. And I know we have a bunch of athletes like really committed to us, like stud ballers. But it, man, there's a lot of three stars on there. One four star guy, and I mean, every article I've seen you put up recently is about some three star guy. Like, oh, Miami's number one on my list. You know, it's like, are I felt like when Mark Rick was hired, it would be a much more, not not with the last class, but with this class, like a much more immediate impact. Are, are we just waiting for games to be played and then four um, and five no, star well, kids are really going to be? No, I think I think your expectations are unreasonable, and here's why: they they got the jobs and and came in in January. They had three weeks to frenetically frantically recruit. And close out the last recruiting class, and they just haven't Which had. I think they did a great job on. They they did yeah. a great job actually reeling kids in and getting a couple guys that we didn't expect. That was a great job, Malik Young and all that. I'm excited about the last class. They did great, but this yeah, one but... I feel like it it's slowly starting or something. I don't know. It's just well, you know, we're, we're still ten months away almost. You know, we're nine nine and three quarter months away from signing day, and. Um, you know, I, I looked out there the other day, and uh, Stephen Carr, who's one of the best running backs on the West Coast, came all the way across the country, was at the Miami Spring game. Um, 
you know, slowly. No, he did make it. I heard he was trying, but I didn't actually yeah, he was know he made it. He, he was there. It is very right. impressive, very impressive looking kid. Now I'm not going to sit here and predict that he's going to decommit from USC and come to Miami. But the the the, the point I'm I'm getting to is that I, I think it's unfair because the coaches came in and and they had to frantically finish out the last recruiting class, and they haven't had the opportunity to properly lay the groundwork for this 2017 class to this point. And, uh, you know, they're playing catch-up in that regard, and there's no doubt about it. And um, so what happens now is they have, they're going to have a month to recruit, and they're going to go out, and they're going to visit all the high schools and, and go see a lot of kids, and, and they're going to have a chance to get Miami in the game with, with some of these kids around the country. And um, the time to assess where they are in recruiting is probably going to be June and July, you know, when they've had a chance to go do this spring recruiting and, and, and get in on some of these kids. And then we're able to see the fruits of their labors and, and who they're able to get in on. And, you know, if you're sitting here in the fall and the entire recruiting class, is three-star kids, um, you got to be either concerned about the evaluations taking place or about either by the coaches or by the, the, the rivals recruiting analysts because, you know, so, well, some well, actually I go with a lot of uh, rivals recruiting analysts because I feel yeah, like uh, about six or seven of these kids are at least four stars that are. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, right now. And, and I'm not, I'm not going to give you an opinion on that yet because I haven't evaluated them to that degree yet to, to the point where I'm ready to say that. And I'll have a much better feel after June when I go to the rivals five-star challenge in Atlanta and I, get to see the best players in the country and compare them with these kids, which is what I always do right. every year. And, and, and once, once I'm able to do that, I can give you a much better opinion of, you know, like, you know, I saw the, the supposed best receivers in the country that were identified by the rivals recruiting team. And, you know, I'll, I, I'll tell you right now, Kevon Dingle from Carroll city high school, who's committed to the U is just every bit as good as, you know, that kid, but, you know, I, I will say this, you, you've, you've got Grimes and Judy down here who are two of the better receivers in the country by rated by everybody. I don't think there's any question about that. And you can't rate every receiver in South Florida, a four or five star. Okay. That, that, that cheapens the, that would cheapen the rankings. I mean, there is a whole country out there of football players. So, you know, I think we got to be fair about it. We we got to be objective and, what I try to do for you guys is I, you know, I try not to get too opinionated until I've had a chance to survey the landscape and being able to go see, you know, they've been having these rivals camps every weekend all over the country and they pull kids out of those camps and say, okay, we're inviting you to Atlanta. We're inviting you to Atlanta. And, you know, by the time they all get to Atlanta, you've got a hundred, 120 of the best in the country. And you can really see, and get a good read on, on what, what, what the talent level is. And then, then that allows me to come back and compare that to the kids that didn't get to go to Atlanta that maybe are on the commitment list. And I can give you then a much better opinion um, on where I think that things stand. Uh, awesome. Well, thanks for having me on the show tonight, Gary, man. And uh, look forward to fall ball and actually getting back to these shows and everything. So thanks so much. Right. Appreciate it. All right, Travis, thanks as always for coming on the show. All right, 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. You hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go out now to the 404. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Yeah, how you doing, man? 
Doing good. Who's this? Uh, it's Roland from New Orleans. Hey, what's up, Roland? Welcome back. I uh, appreciate it, man. You doing okay? Yeah, doing good. All right. Just had a couple questions. Uh, you think Miami will add a, um, a JUCO uh, transfer uh, DB? Uh, and also, along with that question, J.C. Uh, Jackson deal, is that kind of a done deal? Or is still a possibility? Yeah, I do think uh, they'll add somebody here in the next couple months. Um, how many remains to be seen, depending on if anybody transfers. Um, but uh, it won't be J.C. Jackson. That J.C. Jackson was never a live situation. Uh, it was falsely reported. Uh, there was one phone call that took place on that front, um, an exploratory phone call. Never went anywhere. Miami didn't recruit him, uh, is not recruiting him. Um, so I, I think everybody needs to, unless something very, very, very major changes, uh, forget about J.C. Jackson. If you look at it on face value, you're not going to take a kid that had those type of problems up in Florida and got kicked out of school in Gainesville and, and, and say, okay, geez, okay, now just come to Miami. I mean, high, highly unlikely that that was ever going to happen under any head coach, certainly not Mark Rick. He's not looking to bring those type of issues into his program. Um, but I do think they're out there searching for kids that might be available to come in. And, uh, you know, it's a tough tough chore, but you've seen Miami do this before. You know, I mean, the, the one that, that comes to mind that was the best was Jeremy Shockey was a kid they found in the summertime and, and, and brought in. So uh, they're looking, and eventually, they, they, right now they have one spot. They might have more if a couple kids transfer. And uh, I think they'd like to find a corner. I think they'd like to find a receiver. I think they'd like to find a fullback. Uh, those are the three things I think they would love to find here um, in, the, in the rest of the spring and in the summer. So we'll see what happens. What about Walter Tucker? Is he not with the team anymore? No, he's gone. Uh, oh, okay. Too many, too, too many issues there, and and you know, you see how bad they need a fullback. They they bat. Mark Richt believes in using a fullback, and they need a fullback on this team. And the fact that they sent him packing, uh, pretty much, you know, tells you where that situation was. Gotcha, gotcha. And one last question: uh, What about uh, as far as recruiting is concerned, defensive tackles? Um, I know we got a lot of guys that come in and receivers, just raw athletes, but um, any any deep, deep tackle prospects, you know, guys that can really move. I mean, just I mean, cause that's what we need to really, you know. And, and I know, that's one thing I called a year ago and was like, you know, you know, constantly saying deep tackles, deep tackles. And Margaret understands that, you know. I don't know that the last last regime was a little bit different, but um, any 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 guys that stand out or any. Tackles at Miami. I think you know it's too it's it's a little too soon for for us to answer that question. Here's what I can tell you. You know they've got the commitment from John Ford from Dillard. Okay, you know that. Uh, so he's mm-hmm. going to be one. Now, the one thing I will tell you is there's a couple kids um, up at IMG in Bradenton, and um, you know Kuligowski has been assigned that school, which from, from what, from what I've heard. And to me, that is a statement of how big of a priority these kids are. And, um, the, and I, and I'm not going to give you a ton of info on it because I have not 
gotten to the point where I've studied these kids a lot or whatever, but I'll, I'll tell you what I know. And there's a kid named Cameron Spence, a kid named Josh Kando up there who's defensive end. And I, I think the fact that Kulugowski has been assigned that school is a, a, allows us to make a fairly safe assumption that they're recruiting both of those kids. And um, I'm not sure what else up is, is up there right now, um, if there's any more. Um, but those are a couple to keep an eye on. And, you know, we, we've got a whole list of defensive linemen right now that, that, that we're monitoring um, all over the country. Um, uh, you know, if you're asking specifically about tackles, there's a kid named Bennett at St. Thomas um, that we're keeping an eye on. There's a kid at Carroll City named Colson. Um, who's a defensive tackle, um, kid out of Texas, Jordan Crawford, um, that, that we're monitoring, a kid out of Newberry, Corey Durden. Um, there's a kid up at the Hun School in, in New Jersey, Fred Hansard, um, who's on our watch list that we're keeping an eye on, a kid in Pennsylvania, Donovan Jeter. Um, so there's a lot of defensive tackles out there, one in Houston, Marvin Wilson. So we just don't know right now which ones Miami's going to get serious with. And, and that's what this, and and that's what this spring evaluation period is for. The coaches go out, they sit down with the high school coaches, they do their homework, they watch film, um and then they come back, they compare notes and and they decide and and there'll be more that come on the list that I didn't even mention right now obviously. And they decide who they want to seriously recruit. And then once that takes place, uh, it allows us to get a clearer picture of what they're thinking and where they're going, you know? Yes. Okay. Well, man, I appreciate it, man. Uh, everything you do, you do a great job covering the team and uh, really giving, you know, uh, people who support the team, you know, just, you know, information that you may not get elsewhere. So uh, uh, if you keep me on hold, and I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing you back in, in August, man. You got it, man. Thank you for your kind words. And, um, you know, even though we're not doing shows, you can always hit us up on the message boards on canesport.com, on and uh, we're out there battling for you guys every day, and we appreciate all of you. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Okay. You got it, Ben. Thank you. All right, 646-595-2048. Hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go now to the 678. You're live on Canesport Live. Gary, how you doing? Doing good. Who's this? 23 Daddy Kane, Gary. Oh, you must have been strutting your stuff all the way back to Georgia. I can, I can just imagine what, what, how you felt leaving Lockhart Stadium the other day, and um, this is this is Mr. Herndon, uh, Chris Herndon's dad, and uh, boy, did he look great out there on Saturday. Oh, appreciate it, man. Thank you. It was a great day, dude. I hadn't stopped looking at that stuff since I left, so. Well, you know, I've been telling you for for you know at least the last year or so that you know, how well Chris was doing and how impressive he was. And uh, yes, you just, have. Yes, you have. Just waiting for that that moment when they would you know feature him and he'd get to bust out. And uh, it came in the spring game, and I think he served notice that uh, he's going to be a force to to be reckoned with uh, this fall. And the one thing I can tell you, because I've been talking to NFL people a lot in the last week to kind of scout out how the draft is going to go uh, this year. Mm-hmm. And those two guys, uh, Chris and, and Nujoko, are, are both uh, big time on the radar screens of, of the NFL guys. Like, you know, they, they, they're, they're watching them, and they, they, they like what they've seen so far when they've been out of practices and looked at tape and stuff. And, uh, you know, you got to be a proud dad because he's he's really doing well and he really showed his stuff on Saturday. 
Oh, I appreciate it. Yes, I am. I definitely am. And his little brother was there to take it all in. It was the first game he went to. So I looked for you. I didn't see you. Um, but I, I heard you're coming up here to Atlanta for the rival. So we're going to have to, whether you see him on campus, ask him for my number, and um, let's hook up. Oh, my are you, goodness, Are you man. in Atlanta? Are you physically Yeah, I'm in Atlanta, Atlanta? now. Yep. All right, yep. Do me a shoot me an email at canesport at bellsouth.net. And um, okay. and when I'm up there in June, I'll 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 just put it in my I'll put it in my phone, and I'll I'll if you know when I see an Opa, I'll try to hit you up. Maybe we'll uh, you know have a drink or something. Oh, definitely. Sport dot bellsouth dot net. Canesport at bellsouth dot net. Yeah. Gotcha. So gotcha. What else you got for us tonight? Oh man, just loving the fact that they, if you notice, they had all three of the tight ends on the field at the same time with. Njoku, him split out in the slot or receiver, uh, young Herndon and Stan at the end of the line of scrimmage. I mean, you could do so much with when you have blockers like that. And, of course, the, the mismatch is you're trying to get that defense stuck in their base personnel. I mean, and and what they showed in that particular uh, formation is, is great. I know that's the 21 um, personnel, but – with them, with them three on the field at the same time, man, it's going to be a great year. But, you know, the offense looked great. Uh, the defense, oh, man, those those young uh, linebackers looked outstanding. I mean, and if however you look at it, it's going to add depth to the team, whether they start, whether they don't, uh, whether the other guys get pushed back. I mean, it's going to add depth to the team. And that front seven is going to be amazing. So, man, I'm really excited. Uh I don't know what I'm going to do from now until August, but, um, yeah, I, I'm happy you were there and, and, and recording it. Hopefully everybody calls in with nothing but positivity, so because this is what we're going to have. I mean, we might yeah, as well I mean, be uh, – You know, I think we got to be honest. I mean, not every position on the team is as stocked as the tight end position is or the, the running back position. I mean, you know, the, there's they're very depth challenged in a couple spots, and uh, like Coach Rick said, if they have injuries in the wrong places, it's going to get a little tough, but – uh, there's a lot to be excited about with this team. You have an elite quarterback. You got some great skill players. You got some good young skill players coming in. Um, you got an exciting new style of defense. They're going to be more aggressive, and you got a favorable schedule. So there's a lot to be excited oh, about as you move towards next season. I know one thing that they always talked about is most of the kids. Like you have your Duke Johnson, that was a, a, a area kid. Um, Benzel Perriman. The kids that want to come and play there are going to play. I mean, they're going to come and play. And that's uh, one of the guys touched on recruiting earlier. Winning is going to be your best tool for recruiting. So I know they have a lot of offers out there to these kids. Uh, It's something that was told to us. I mean, this is a good time to come in. You may want to think about it because once we start winning this season, there's going to be people trying to commit left and right. You know, so if this is a part of what you want to be of, just you need to come in now because come August, we, we're going to start rolling this thing, man. I'm telling you. So, so did I'm you excited, get to go, Gary. Did you get to go to the um, the little event they had with the, I guess, with the parents and the coaches? and? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was out there. I, the, the parents was together before the game. I didn't make too much of that, but after the game and then the little cookout afterwards. How'd that go? Oh, that was fine, man. It was just a good bonding thing for all the coaches. I spent a lot of time talking to his position coach, Coach Todd. So 
So, I mean, it, it was great. It was great. All right, good. Well, glad you had a good time. Glad, glad that he played well for you and sent you home with a big smile on your face. Oh, definitely, man. I appreciate you guys covering all that stuff, too. It's great. And one thing that one of the other guys that called in earlier said, I know you know these guys, but, yeah, those announcers was horrible. I mean, once <laughs> I got back and looked at it, I mean, they, the plays are going on. They're still talking about stuff that didn't even matter. It, it, it was horrible, man. I, seriously, they need to – they someone need to evaluate them, give them a – a good evaluation, but yeah, they were terrible. So they got room to, I'm not going to say they're terrible. They got room for improvement. So, well, you know, <laughs> but, but we'll like get them right that, before the season starts. I'm sure there's some people that like them too, but, um, Oh you know, yeah. Hopefully they're not listening right now, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, but, um, you know, those, those things are, like I said, they're in the eye of the beholder and everybody has different tastes and announcers. And, uh, for some reason, you know, colleges like, that style of broadcasting, and I—I'll be honest. That you know, I think that that you know, it, it's almost an injustice sometimes to the people doing the broadcasting, um, because I think there's a lot of other people that don't want that style. That they don't want honest, um, no holds barred analysis of what they're watching, and that's why on on our shows and our website. That's what you get from us every day because, um, you know, we just don't don't believe in, do, in doing it any other way, you know. But um, but some people like that, you know. Some people, you yeah. know, some people get mad at us that we allow criticism of coaches and players on our message boards, and you know, you, you know, my my feeling is that, you know, people are entitled to their opinions, whether they're good, bad, or indifferent. That's what really sports is all about and that's what being a sports fan is about and having a opinion oh, yeah, definitely. And, and and feeling passionate about your views and debating them with well, other guys. Well, well, one thing they're going to do I, I don't want them to be negative so that's it wasn't even about them being positive or negative of course they're broadcasting for the university they should be positive talking positive about everything it's just the material in which they decided to deliver was dry stale it was, it was like i said plays was going on that they could have been talking about but they got off on a tangent about other stuff that i mean for two plays i'm like what are you it's two good plays that just happened what you're still talking about something that didn't matter and i mean it's more attention to detail so i'm not i don't want them to knock it that's that's a definitely for a website or this thing but as you broadcasting and you got plenty of people listening you know stick to the plays add some flavor to it but Make sure you're consistent with what's going on in the field. You know, so it's a work in progress. But like this, they're going to have a lot of practice come August. So, you know, even the broadcasters got some um, off-season conditioning to do. So, <laughs> All right, Mr. Hurd. Hey, thank you so much for calling in as always. And uh, I'll, if, if I get a chance, I'll hit you up. You know, you know, give you a little advance notice in 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 June when I'm in Atlanta, and um, and then uh, we'll talk to you again on the show in August. Yeah, I'm I'm about to put you in now, and uh, I hit you up on email as soon as I get in the house, and and put me back on hold so I can listen. You got it. Thanks for calling in. All right. All right. Six four six five nine five two zero four in four eight six six four six five nine five two zero four eight. Hit the number one on your keypad. If you want to come on the show, let me jump over across here right now for a few seconds and hit another one of these questions that was submitted by the fans on the message boards at canesport.com. Uh, Coach Rick has insinuated that the team is smaller than he's used to 
from the Southeast Conference, but he is also seeking out speed. What can we expect a Hurricane team to look like under Rick in the next few years? Well, you know, I don't think you have to sacrifice speed and athleticism just because you want to get bigger. You know, I, I think that there's bigger athletes that can run out there too, and I think it, it, it comes down to, you know, changing the standards by which you recruit. And I think that that's what you're going to see Miami do under Mark Rick. I think you're going to see them change the standards by which they recruit. I think you're going to see him, yes, try to get bigger, but I don't think that they're going to look to sacrifice speed. And I think that, it, you know, over the next couple of years, you'll see this evolve into a more athletic football team. Um, so that's, uh, that's the direction I think it'll go in. I don't know how quickly they're going to be able to make that happen. It'll obviously be a, a priority here as they go out for spring recruiting. Um, but there's no question they want to get more speed, particularly at the receiver position, um, and just you know continue to be more athletic pretty much across the board at every spot on the roster. All right, let's continue on with your phone calls. Again, 646-595-2048. Hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. And we're going to go out now to the 706. You're live on Kane Sport Live. What's up, Gary? This is Sebastian. How you doing, man? What's shaking, Sebastian? How you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm kind of excited, but, you know, we kind of get this feeling around us in the spring practice. But this feels a little bit different. I don't know about you, but this feels a little bit different. I feel like we got a coach in place that kind of has an idea of what he wants to do, what he wants to accomplish. I feel like we got a competent staff on our hands, and let's see how things kind of play out. You know. Well, you know, you, uh, you know, you got a coach that knows what he's doing. Uh, he's got a he's got a proven track record. You haven't had that here in a long time. Uh, right. Let's be honest. I mean, you know, even going back to Butch. You know, I mean, Butch didn't come in here as a proven coach. He he proved himself. While he was no, here. No, but, 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 but I, I, I said this a while back on your show. We needed a coach with championship pedigree, and we didn't have that. We didn't have yeah, that with Randy. We didn't have well, that with uh, Golden. Co- you know, and you didn't have it with Coker either. I mean, so, you know, you haven't had somebody with a track record here in a long time. Right. And, and you've got that now, and I think that that creates a lot of excitement, and I think that's why you feel that electricity. Well, it's a, it's a confidence. I, I think I think the kids have gravitated to the fact that here's a coach that's coming to you out of 10 out of 15 years he was at Georgia, won 10 games. I mean, who's been to a BCS Bowl, who's won an SEC championship. So, you know, that's just incredibility. You know, when you're having to do an extra 110 gassers or having to do, you know, some of the other things that they want you to do strength and conditioning-wise, you know that thing is going to kind of pay out. I will tell you this. I got a lot of things to talk about. The guys look physically well. There wasn't a lot of body fat. I mean, they look ripped. They look chiseled. I know he talked about at the end that they were just gassed, but I just think it's just from the lack of depth. But these guys, they look they look like Hurricane football players. I mean, they the majority of the team, I'll say that, look that way. So I don't know your thoughts on that, but you so you, you, you were, were you there? Or you watched on TV. I watch it on TV. Well, I actually watch it on the internet because I'm out in Colorado. Okay, yeah, no, yeah, same thing. That's what I meant. Yeah, so I actually. So you were impressed. Well, me, you you like you like the way they looked. Yeah, I like the way they looked. I like the way Herndon looked. I like the way that Walton looked. I like the way that Gus Edwards. Looked. 
Um, our offensive linemen, I think they, we could use a little bit more girth and a little bit more beef and maybe a little bit more strength, but I think that'll come in time. That gets, that takes me to my next point because i got like three things I want to cover. The guy that played center for us, was that – who was that? Was that Loftus or who, who played center No, that was Tyler, Tyler Gauthier. And, and he I, I thought good. He, what do you think? I thought he did a pretty good job. Yeah, he's, you know, he's a young kid coming up. Um, yeah. Probably, probably the best of those kids from that freshman class. Last year yeah. that you know that, that were recruited and um, he, he looked like he can help them a little bit this year. He'll probably yeah, swing, he, he'll swing that, between that, that center was, and guard. You know, right now he's, he's he's I mean they they were playing him behind Alex Gall at center right. before you know Gall got hurt and and he was pressed and back. Gary, Gary, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. Gall was a real underperformer last year, and if this guy looked the way he looked. On Saturday, his upside is a whole lot better because I've seen, man, I've seen some plays last year where Gall just got blown up and it just looked real, real bad. Maybe he's improved this year. So this guy that plays center, I'm just going to say I was pretty impressed. I was pretty impressed that he was just able to hold up because the defensive line looks a little bit more improved than what it has in the past. So I was pretty pleased with that. But let me let me ask you a couple of questions. You had a guy that was on Kane Sports today, a cornerback from Georgia that may be interested and transferring to us. Who is that? Can, can you say that? Or? Um, he, he, yeah, he, he's a kid that played for Mark Richt up there in Georgia. Um, ha- had some issues that led him to leave school, and he went to. He's, he's been in junior college to here this spring, and now he's looking to transfer to a to back, you know, back into a four-year school, and he'd have to sit out a year. You know, he wouldn't be able to play next year. Um, but Miami's one of the schools he's considering. Man, I'm just talking about just from a depth perception. You perception perception. You need you need some people that can help you this year. But you know, if you know the kid, you know I'm sure the coaching staff will make a good decision on, on that end. So you know, I I just trust them on that. The other thing I was going to make a comment on is really impressed with the three linebackers coming in. But with that said. Those guys who are upperclassmen that that's at the linebacker position, I'm not saying that they're going to be transfer casualties, but the coaches are definitely sending a message to them that, you know, these guys are going to play. I, I, I don't see how we're going to get through the season without Pinkney, McLeod, and Quarterman not playing for us this year. I just think it's, 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 oh, it's an shoot. absolute. They're all going to play. They're absolutely all going to play. They're going to play, you know. so There's no question about it. You know, so when I look at McCray and I look at – Perry, I'm just I'm just kind of thinking. I'm not saying the writing's on the wall, but well, McCray McCray can't play. McCray couldn't play in high school. I have no idea why they ever took him. Okay, totally yeah. unfair. To, totally unfair to the kid. Totally unfair to the program. I don't think he'll ever step foot on the field at Miami. Okay, a, yeah. Uh, the other kid is you know Perry is young, but he I he's another one. I I didn't understand why they recruited him. And I'll say the same thing about King, who they moved to say, you know, I mean, those kids should not have been recruited. And I'm not sure what their futures hold in Miami. Yep. Yep. So, me, man, Gary, we be tracking, man. I'm just telling you, we we just be tracking. Um, I'm really encouraged about the four wide receivers coming in. I just hope they can all qualify. I think they all will play. I don't think we're going to burn a red shirt on those guys. I think Mark Rick has a plan. These guys have to get game experience. They have to get into the fold, and you know these these are his kids. But um, I wanted I wanted to give you an, uh, an analogy. If I wanted to go out on them and make a big prediction, 
You know, Florida State's coming to Miami this year. And if there's any game that I will circle on the calendar and we'll revisit this conversation later, if there's any team I think that can really turn our program around is getting the nose here at home. You know, they're going to be breaking in a brand-new quarterback. You know, depending on how high season is going to go, I mean, excitement is going to be pretty, pretty high. But, you know, we haven't beaten those guys in, like, six years. I, th- I think it's six years, six or seven. It's been mm-hmm. a while. And, you know, I just think those guys up north is really, really just take it for granted, you know, them always getting a W when they play Miami. And so I just think they're right this year. I, there's no other year that I really, really feel like that. But I think they just right this year. And, you know, aside from Florida well, or they, winning they, the ACC They, they were right the last two years, and they, they just couldn't close they were right, the deal. They were, they were right two years ago when they came here, and we jumped on a river early. But, you know, if we can get a W, you know, that could send shockwaves through the state of Florida because, you know, they can't get them all. You know, they, they, they can't get all the athletes from there. And what's really been Miami's Achilles heel is so much of the top talent has left South Florida and went up to that school of North and Tallahassee. So I really, really think we need to make some strides in that particular area. The last comment I will make is we were looking at um, what athletes or possible transfers we're going to need, and I think we need four. And you hit on the positions that we need. We need a wide receiver. We need a cornerback. We need a fullback. And I think we need a tackle. I, I think those are four key areas Four players that we were able uh, you to get mean, an, an offensive tackle or a defensive tackle. I think an offensive tackle. I yeah, think they, an offensive tackle. It, it really wouldn't hurt. I mean, you know, Darling's doing fairly well out there. Although I still think he'd be better as a guard. Um, I think he'd be better as a guard if we were able to slide Darling, Darling to to the guard spot, and Wade was able to get a tackle. You know, I just think that would just help us through the year. We need a fullback. We need a wide receiver. Because one of these four wide receivers coming in, you may need to put on the shelf, you know, um, if they're not quite ready to get up to that spot. We need a fullback because that's just kind of offense that he runs, and we need a cornerback. We need, we need, you know, you get somebody with a twisted ankle or something like that, man, we could get serious, serious trouble. So, But all in all, you know, just keep me on hold. I'm really, really excited from what I see. More than anything, it's not – you know, I'm not going to judge him this year because I just trust him enough that, you know, he's been in the business long enough. He's won a national championship in Florida State. He knows what a good football team looks like. I just don't think the last two staffs knew that. And I think, you know, the coach we have right now has that and kind of understands that. I hope this is a big recruiting class that he's going to bring in, 25 to 28 kids, because uh, we need to upgrade the talent on our football team. But keep me on hold. Thanks for doing the show. I look forward to talking to you in August, but just remember this conversation when I tell you, I think FSU is, is right this year. I think they're right. They this are. Year. They've been right, but you got to play You got to play four quarters against those guys. We got All right, then. Thanks, thanks, thanks for being part of the show. All right, let's go out now to the 904. Oh, you are live on Kansas. You're live if you're hearing this. I'm going to come back. Way too, way too much commotion going on in that household. Let's go to the 305. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hello, is that me? That's you. Um, yes, I have a couple questions. One, do you know if the if football has ever given any thought to do what basketball does and just have an early signing period? Because I think that would have helped us with somebody like a Tyler Bird. 
because it's, it's getting ridiculous with all, like, the decommissioning. You rarely see that in, like, basketball. Yeah, I mean, it's constantly it discussed. Constantly discussed by the NCAA. I think the coaches would love it. Um, but so far, they haven't voted it in. But uh, I think it will be voted in one day. I really do. I mean, they, there's there's too much support for it. Yeah, I mean, I like National Signing Day, but they do the same thing with basketball. Like, they they have, like, a mini National Signing Day, and if the kid really wants to commit early, they should let him instead of having him wait till February. Yep, like I said, a lot of people, a lot of people feel that way. Also, um, I didn't get a chance to watch the spring game, but have you seen, like, improvement over this spring practice to, like, last year with Al Golden or the last couple of years, just the improvement on the field? Well, I mean, improvement is one of those things that's in the eye of the beholder, but the one thing I did notice was there was a much more – um, a lot more teaching going on on the practice field. It, it, it was more like a lab than a disco. I mean, in the past, there'd be hip-hop music blaring throughout the whole practice, and um, you know, you really would wonder if you were really at a football practice sometimes and, and, and things like that. And, um, but the, there seemed to be a little bit more you know, teaching going on, which was a good thing. Um, but you know, beyond that, I, it, it's it's kind of hard, you know, to really mm-hmm. until the team starts playing real competition and goes out and gets into games and you're able to see how they shape up. I mean, you know, you could throw opinions around on these things, but you know, they they don't have a lot mm-hmm. of foundation. They don't have a lot of depth to them. Oh, okay. And my final question is I was reading, I think it was on both your site and 24.7 sports inside you about this receiver out of Georgia. I think his last name is Dallas or something. I mean, it seems like he's at least really considering Miami. Uh, do you know anything about him? Uh, yeah, there, there's, a, there, there's an enormous, enormous number of receivers right now that are being spoken to and are considering Miami. And the word's out that there's an opportunity for receivers at this school. Uh, they're going to take several of them in this recruiting class. And I think, um, you know, they're all taking a look, you know, and and it's going to be up to the coaches at the end of the day. I think the first thing they have to do is they have to determine, do we have a chance to get Grimes or Judy? Or, or, or you know, okay. in, a, in a in absolute utopia world, both. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think you, – because you, you already got two receivers committed. You got Dingle and Scott committed. So before before you make a move on yeah. anybody, on, on a lot of these other guys, yeah. um, I, I think you got to have a real strong feeling on Grimes and Judy, who are from here in South Florida and are two of the best receivers yeah. in the country. And I think that I mean, that's – going to happen here in the next couple months i mean i i think that they're going to make a determination on whether they think they're going to get either of those kids because um you also can't waste your time and you know if grimes is dead set on going to ohio state and judy is dead set on going to alabama then you got to move on from there and there are an enormous number um of receivers that that are being recruited right now Oh, um, and speaking of, like, um, receiver position, I know Njoku's younger brother at least had, like, a long visit to Miami. And I don't yeah. know how realistic that is because, don't, again, from what I've know. seen, it's, like, a three-star. Yeah, at this time, we don't really know. Okay. And what do you know about this tight end out of Texas? 
I honestly can't remember his last name, but he already verbally committed to Miami. Yeah, you're talking Pol- about uh, Brian Polendi. Yes, the kid it's, from Denton. It, yeah, it, he's he's from Denton, Texas. He's a he's a big tight end. Um, they took a commitment from him. Uh, I don't know if that means that they're not going to take any other tight ends in this class. Not really sure. Uh, it's not a huge area of need right now. But you know, he's a big kid. Um, Does he look like a project, or can he actually come in and compete? Bubba Franks did when we got him out of Texas. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, you know, to be honest, when I watched his tape, he he didn't, like, explode (laughs) off the screen to me. Um, But, you know, I don't know if they're looking at him as more of a blocking tight end. You know, you you just don't know how how the coaches are looking at it Um, because, you know, they certainly have – uh, enough receiving tight ends here for the next year or two uh, with Chris Herndon and David Njoku. And um, they don't really have a, a true blocking tight end on this team. I mean, Stan Dobard's okay, but, mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't say he's great in that regard. So, you know, maybe they're thinking we got to get a tight end that we could put in the game in short yardage situations and things. And, you know, we, we just don't know exactly how they're analyzing it. Um, but they did take a commitment uh, from Polendi and, um, <laughs> We'll watch him. We'll watch how we see how he develops. He still has another year of high school football to play. Okay. Yeah, and my other – the last question I have is how strong is Terry's commitment? Because I know Weldon's commitment is probably really strong because his dad played under Rickson at FSU. Um, so I'm assuming his commitment's strong. Do you think Perry ultimately will stick? It's the second time he's committed. Okay, I mean, yeah. if he doesn't stick, then there's something wrong with with, with the whole st- structure of that kid's inner circle because you, you can't let a kid, it's one thing for yeah. a commit a kid to commit once and then decommit. Yeah, unless you're really common, you don't recommit a second time. And I gotta believe oh, okay. that, he, that that he's got parents and coaches around him that wouldn't have allowed him to commit a second time if he wasn't serious and really common. Okay, because, I mean, that's the concern because you also have Jack Allison coming in this year. Yeah. So I can't see Miami recruiting any more quarterbacks. But you also probably got Kaya leaving after this year. I'd be shocked if Kaya's here next year. Really? So I would. I mean, he uh, he, he looks he looks as good as he's going to get to to my eye. I don't okay. know how he's going to be any better after, you know, we'll see how what kind of season he has. If he has any kind of season this year, he's going to be a, a, a top half first round pick in the 2017 NFL draft. Yeah. So, I mean, I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll see. But, but how, I, I, um, I'm surprised. Okay. And my final question is how did Sharif look in this scrimmage? He didn't. I mean, he got. A, he didn't get a chance to do anything. I was really disappointed. Okay. I really wanted to see more out of that kid, and I wanted to see him get more opportunities. But they they just couldn't put together. Hello. 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 Oh well. I see what happened. No, that, I'm sorry. That was my fault. I hit the. Uh, oh, okay. I hit the mute button, but um, I don't know where I got cut off. But but I was saying that um, Sharif. Well, you said that, you were disappointed that you didn't get to see more out of Sharif. Yeah, I, I really I, I really wanted to see a lot of that kid because I think he, he's probably going to be the 
I think there's a great chance he's going to be the backup quarterback next year. And, and, and I, I just wanted to see a lot more of him in that spring game atmosphere. And they couldn't really put a second team together. They couldn't get enough enough receivers together. Um, he was playing with all walk-ons, basically. The, all the first-team receivers were, were with Kaya on the other sideline. Um, Nujoku and Herndon were, were, with, were with Kaya, the Berrios, uh, and those guys were um, Cager were were with Kaya, and there was nobody left to be on the second team with Sharefs and Ro- and Rozier and, and Allison, and um, I, I felt kind of bad for those kids. Yeah. They they didn't really get a chance to show much, but then again, they don't really have to right now. They're not being counted on, but uh, yeah. you know, they obviously had their opportunities in practice. But I, I really like Evan. I, I think he's got a chance to become a really really good player. Okay, and do, and last thing, do you think Bethel is a redshirt candidate, or has he shown you more and more in the scrimmage? Absolutely, I'll be shocked if he's not redshirted. Oh, okay. Unless they decide they want him on special teams or something, because um, I I just don't see where there's going to be a role for him this year. Oh, okay. Thank you. Alrighty, thanks for being part of the show. All right, let's shoot back to the 904. See, all right, I'm to get you on the show with all that noise in your house. All right, 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. Again, hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Um, let me circle back here and um, address another topic from the list of submissions by the posters at canesport.com on the message boards. And um, let's see, strength coach Gus Felder, and for those of you that don't know who he is, if if you've seen some video or whatever, he's the humongous, humongous coach um, that, I mean, literally is the size of a house. I mean, one of the bigger human beings you'll see outside of the uh, WWE Kind of reminds me a little bit of the big show, except he, he looks like he's even, even even better shape and moves around pretty darn good. But um, he's very visible and um, even breaks down with the players when going into drills or ending practice. What is the word from the players in regards to him and how he is doing his job? Well, the, the, the thing I could say there is the, the players clearly love him. Uh, he's a very, very, very nice man. I mean, you know, I was watching him at a Lockhart the other day, and people are coming up to him and giving him a big hug. You know, there, there, there's something about being that size, and you know, he he must be God. He must be like six eight, three fifty or something like that. I mean, he is a huge, huge human being, and um, you, you know, people just seem to love that. You know, and he was getting a lot of love and affection from the ladies out there at Lockhart the other day, and. Um, Clearly, clearly, clearly is very a very well liked guy, and the, the kids seem to be responding to him. Uh, every review I've gotten from the weight room has, has been positive. Uh, people feel really good about the work taking place down there. Um, so I, I think you could only have very positive feelings right now about uh, strength coach Gus Felder, and uh, it's his show now. You know, the kids are the kids are with him pretty much for the summer. I mean, the the other coaches are allowed to spend a little bit of time working with the players on the team. Um, but in for large segments of the summer, the team will be in the hands of Gus Felder. And uh, it's his opportunity to continue developing them in the weight room and um, leave his mark 
on Miami football the best that he can. Another question, uh, is it safe to say that we won't be seeing more than one bubble screen a game from our offense this year. And, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, as you know, everybody hated the bubble screen. James Coley uh, did kind of beat that one to death. No arguments uh, from me on that one. But I will say this. We didn't see one bubble screen this spring. So not sure that it's a big part of the Mark Rick offense. Uh, Not sure if it's even in the Mark Rick offense, but we didn't see it uh, this spring. So you might not see even one bubble screen in a game from the offense this year. Uh, That remains to be seen. All right, 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. Got a lot of open slots on the board. Feel free to call into the show. Um, Hit the number one on your keypad if you'd like to participate. Let's go out to the 239. You are now live on King Sport Live. How you doing, Gary? Doing good. Who's this? This is Joe from Fort Myers. All right, Joe, what you got for us? I got a couple questions, man, um, and I'd love to hear uh, your topic. First-time caller, uh, basically, I know you've heard that before, but um, I've always listened to your iPod, um, your podcast and so forth. But And, and I'm sure you touched base on this because I was back and forth, uh, uh, you know, doing some things. That I didn't catch your complete show today, but the transparency of the coaching staff, um, especially for Mark Rick, do you think it was more of a mind game type of thing? Because I, I haven't really – I'm not accustomed to, to the transparency that he has shown, you know, with, with, with the press. Um, usually, you know, the coaches are upbeat and, and they kind of put like a little smoke screen, but uh, it seems like he's been very specific and, and very honest in, in general. Your thoughts? I love it. I love the transparency we're getting from the coaches and, you know, top to bottom, you know, I, I, and I think it's great for you guys. You're not getting a lot of smoke blowing up your butts. Uh, Yeah. I mean, they're telling it like it is when things are good. They're taught, they're telling you how they're good and why they're good. And when things aren't good, uh, same thing. And uh, it really allows us to get a much better feel for the football team. And, and I think we have a good feel for this team, you know, both, both us as Kane sport who are covering the team and you guys as fans who are cheering for the team and watching the team. Uh, I, I think we, we've got a really nice feel for what this team's about right now and, and where they need to get better and, and, and what they're looking to do. And um, I find it very refreshing. I love it. Absolutely love it. In fact, you know, I was talking to Manny Diaz the other day and uh, I said, man, Manny, it's like, I wish, I wish we were interviewing you every day. It's just, it's so refreshing to hear a coach um, really just tell it like it is. And, and, you know, if he has challenges that he's facing, uh, talk about them candidly and not be afraid and not feel like he has to sugarcoat everything. And, um, So yeah, I mean, I, I think it's great. That's awesome. That's awesome. I I, I agree. A um, couple more things. Um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm Christian, but I, I don't you know I don't push in on anybody and so forth. But I've also noticed, you know, because Mark Ritt is he's a great guy, and and everybody knows that 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 you know his his fellowship and so forth. But um, it seems like that's catching on as well. With with you know, I follow a couple of the players on, on Twitter and so forth, and it seems like. Even the coaching staff, but with with their their tweets and their comments and so forth, it seems like they really embrace that um, more so than than in the past. Have you noticed that as well? I mean, it's it, it's always been a team with a great belief and faith. Uh, I, I don't. It's the only team in the country that I've seen that comes out of the locker room before every game and immediately goes to the far end zone of the field, whether it's home or away, and prays together. 
They did that all through the Al Golden era. Um, I'm not sure who set the tone for that or whatever, but the, you know, this has always been a team um, that faith was a big part of the program. And they, they have a couple team chaplains uh, that are with the team all the time. Uh, So, you know, to, to me, it's, you know, and I understand what you're saying. I mean, you know, coach Rick, I would agree is, is probably a little bit more religiously consumed than most football coaches that you see. Um, but I think that that, that was already in the pro, program before he got here. And um, other, other than seeing them pray together on the practice field at the end of practice uh, at times, uh, you know, I'm not sure that it's any more pronounced right now than it's been. Okay. Okay. And I'm sure you covered this on your show already, but one of the comments that kind of surprised me, um, especially from Manny, you mentioned Manny, was um, the excitement level after a good game. I think his comment was, you know, after a fourth down play in, in the spring game, everybody was walking down with their head down like they're, you know, they're going to detention. Um, can you touch base on, on, on that? You know, because usually Miami and the swagger and, you know, taking off the helmets back in the day and so forth, that's always been a signature of ours. Did Did Golden – you know, kind kind of kind of do more like a professional attitude type type of business like, or because the passion. You know, after you mentioned that, I kind of like, yeah, you know, I haven't really seen that 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 overexcitement and, and and the whole team, you know, just just rock and rolling on the sidelines. You know, they pretty much are, are, are too business like in the past. Yeah, I touched on that on that earlier in the show. I, I think there's two reasons for it. I, I think one that it's a team that's very mentally consumed right now, and 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 they're having to do a lot of thinking on the field and, and, you know, with the new offense and new defense and they're trying to impress the coaches and everyone's on an equal slate. And, you know, so there's, there's a lot of mental pressure on those right, kids right yeah. now. So, you know, I think that that, that can be part of it. And I think the other part of it is it's a group of kids that's just not used to um, doing that on a football field because they haven't had success. They haven't beaten. <laughs> yeah. They haven't beaten anybody any good in their in their careers at the University of Miami, and hopefully, obviously, that'll change. But uh, you know, I think that could have something to do with it also. It's not. It's not habitual for them to act that way on the football field. Right, right. I would love to see them just, you know, when we score our first touchdown, when FSU comes and visits, and the whole, you know, the whole bench clears and and and, and makes a big deal in the end zone, like like that one Georgia game. Um, another question is um you know out of the out of the recruits for 17 um you know how kids change their mind nowadays and they make it public and so forth who are your top 5 guys that you would think are must must gets um for for the coming uh uh coming class oh man i I mean, I don't really have a top five list like that. I mean, I I think the, the local receivers, to me, are where it starts right. and ends. I mean, you've got two elite receivers, one at St. Thomas and, and one at Deerfield Beach, that, to me, in under normal circumstances, you'd be calling them must-gets from Miami. And these are these are two superstars. I mean, kids that are can't, can't miss superstars, in my opinion. And uh, – I, I think you got to start with those two for sure, and and uh, I like the quarterback. I like Perry a lot. You know, right. pe- pe- people that I've spoken to about him tell me that you know he's got a chance if he keeps working hard and developing to be another Jameis Winston type of player. Um, right. I think you got to I think you got to keep an eye on him. Uh, you know, obviously offensive line is very important, but I don't really have a pecking order there or at the defensive line position. Uh, I don't really have guys that I've singled out 
um, at, at linebacker right now. I, I was kind of disappointed that the Vandarius Cowan kid from Palm Beach Gardens, who was committed to FSU and then to Alabama, didn't wasn't even considering Miami. And you know, I thought maybe the new staff could change that. Uh, so that that was a, a little disappointing. Um, but beyond that, you know, I don't really have that type of list right now. I think it's too early in the game. I think, you know, we still got to see how things shake out here in May when the coaches go out recruiting uh, and then, you know, kind of reassess it all over the summer. Right, right, right. Well, I appreciate that. And then my last question, and I appreciate your time, man, and, and, and great show like always. What's going on in Tennessee? Because it seems like like this past year and, and, and all the 17 uh, recruits that, that, that are, are committed – is it because, of, and especially all the people that are getting down here in Southwest Florida, um, and 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 in South Florida in general, um, is it Scott or or is I've, I've never been to you know to, yeah. to volunteers uh, facilities, but but what's going on over there? Why why do they seem this year more so than other years um, that that they're making such an impact uh, with these these high level you know recruits? Well, it's Larry Scott. You know, he's been recruiting them for the last few years for Miami and um, obviously has relationships with them and their families. So it's easy to get them to come up there and visit. Um, you know, it's not, not really that big of a deal. So, I mean, that's, okay. that's, really, that's really the only thing. I mean, you've, you know, you've got a, a coach who's got relationships. And we've seen this before. You know, we saw this before, you know, when Clint Hurt left Miami and went up to Louisville. And took, Shannon you know, as well when he got fired. And, 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 and took 20, well, it was more really more Hurt. I mean, Hurt left Miami, went up to Louisville, and I think they signed 26 kids from South Florida. Yeah, they took Bridgewater, didn't they? Yeah, Bridgewater and Eli Rogers and those guys and the Burgess. And uh, they signed 26 kids from South Florida that Clint Hurt had actively been recruiting when he was at Miami. So, <laughs> you know, recruiting uh, relationships are a big part of recruiting. Right, right. All right, man. Well, appreciate it, man. Thank you. Good job, like always. If you can keep me on hold so I can keep on listening. Good job, buddy. You got it. 646-595-2048. Hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go now to the 870. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Uh, what's up, Gary? How are you doing, doing man? Doing good. Doing good. Who's this? Uh, this is Lemuel down in Arkansas, Pine Bluff. Hey, what's up, man? Welcome to the show. No problem. Um, it's a couple of things I want to touch on. Um, in your opinion, from the running back position, do we have any one, what I like to call one hit equivalents that can take it to the house at any time, any any place they touch it, it's a go? Because I really don't feel that way. No. And I think, and I know you said that you're a shirt Homer. I'm a big advocate. I think Homer is the guy. Because he gives us that threat. We don't have that threat without him at the running back. Well, let's see. I don't think he can rest hurt him. Let's see. Let's not anoint him as the number one running back before he steps on campus. If if he comes out there and he's better than Mark Walton and Joe Yearby and Gus Edwards, then that means this football team just got a lot better. Um, but, but, so, but, 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 but no, Edwards, Yearby, and Mark Walton are, are not that kind of guy. I mean, you know, you, you right, might get they're a They're above page. average. Yeah, they're they're good players. They're they're good serviceable yeah. running back. But they exactly. But, uh, but are they Todd Gurley? No. Right, and, and I'm not saying that Homer is necessarily better. We just don't know. He gives yet. you a dimension. Right. He, he might. Gives you a dimension he might give can. you a dimension. He might give you a dimension. Okay, Gary, speed speed doesn't just leave you. I mean, the guy okay. has speed. Yeah, but, the speed but, is going to come. I understand, but that doesn't mean he's ready to walk in at high school and be a starting running back in college football. 
you know, there's, there's a physical element to that. I get you. Be able to, you know, you got to build your body up. You got to be able to take the, the pounding that a running back takes. Uh, a lot yeah, more to I, it than being having straight line speed. I, I get that, and I can I sort of disagree respectfully. It's just sometimes I think running backs are usually the easiest transition. If you look in college football, it's always a big time freshman running back that comes out. So it's all the big position time, receivers. Yes, you're right. If they're big time players, so they can they can do it. And that's right, why I say too. if he if he can walk <laughs> in there in August and in three weeks prove that he's better than those other those other four guys, then that means right. this football team that, that means this football team just got a whole lot better. Because those other guys right. aren't bad. Now. They're they're not bad players. Yeah, you're 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 right. I just don't. I'm so used to Miami having that back. You know that can that can do those type of things. To yeah, where not, the year is a pretty like okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we're not there. Um, right you got good players. You got good players at the position. They're very serviceable college running backs. You don't have a great player at that spot. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, how much of an impact do you think? And I know this probably has been asked, but how much of an impact do you think when I look at the defensive front that we have? And I said it even last year that we had a very good defensive front. I mean, you go down the list. Um, of players that we have it is a lot of talent there. Um, and even with R.J. McIntosh, when Golden recruiting him as a 3-4 defensive end, usually those guys make good defensive tackles in the 4-3. Um, but how much of a difference do you think that can make being that our secondary is very thin as far as the cornerback position? Um, do you do you see a lot of improvement, or do you see it gradually coming and it may um, plateau big time in August? Or how do you see that shaping up for us? I would call it gradual. I, I didn't feel like I saw oh my god type of improvement. You know, I mean, I'm watching Willis and um, Cortell Jenkins going against the number two offensive line that I know is not very good and. I'm not. I didn't see anything special, you know. I, okay. I, I, you know, I would call it gradual improvement right now. I, I think they got a lot okay. of bodies out there competing, um, but you know, who's going to jump up here in the next four months? And uh, to me, Kendrick Norton's got a chance. You know, he's a big, strong kid, and I think with another four or five months in the weight room, that that, that he might be able to take a, a, a step in his career. But. You know, beyond, I just don't know. You know, I mean, I, I, I didn't see, I, I didn't see necessarily horrible things, but I didn't see anything great. Okay. Okay. That kind of. I tell you what. I mean, nervous. the guy, the guy on the defensive line that I thought was the most impressive guy I saw this spring was, um, Quan Muhammad, and, and and he didn't do anything in the spring game either. Really. Mm, okay. I was kind of surprised. Well, I thought those guys were very quiet on Saturday. Okay. Well, was it just Saturday or, well, as far as the practices or anything that you know of or developing, have the guys been making noise up until that point, or do you just feel like they just gradually just getting there We just really don't have an impact area on defense yet? I don't think there's an impact area. No. If, there's, okay. if they're going to play good defense, it's going to be on game planning and Manny Diaz's scheme and its utilization of the athletes that they do have. I don't think there's, a, there's, there's that there's an impact player out there. Okay, okay. And I guess, you know, I'm biased because I'm a Miami guy, you know, um, as far as who I root for. 
and I know we go up against um, Virginia, uh, Duke, not not knocking these teams, but Wake Forest, and we get substantially better. Ta- I mean, the talent is not close as far as year in, year out. It just, I guess I'm just expecting some type of light to hit to where they're like, okay, I'm that much more talented than who I'm playing, and it shows. And I guess, I guess it takes time. You're right. Maybe I just need to. Just slow my brakes a little bit, but I have. The, <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah, I'm just too, I'm too amped. So, the last question I have is, the guy mentioned about the early recruiting period, and you said that some coaches are for it, and I could be mistaken. I thought I saw like Saban and the top coaches were against it. Um, uh, you know, I, 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 I can't tell you where every coach stands. I'm not sure, but I, I know. Okay. I, I know the coaches hate the fact. They got they got to keep re-recruiting all these kids and and they get them committed and then they, they and then they got to re-recruit them again in December and January and every week in December and January have kids to, have they have to, to go back they got to go back and keep visiting kids that have been committed for six months and it, it's eating up a lot of money there's a lot of extra money being spent and things like that and mm-hmm. and, and I think most coaches would like an early signing period. You're right, I would think so, but I, and I could be mistaken, but I was. Certainly, I read something where Saban, my the top heavy recruiting coaches were against it. I guess because they felt like their recruiting prowess will always win out to some degree. Um, and also too, I think sometimes we give too much think like on the on the kid you were saying like if Perry decommitted the second time, um, it has to be something wrong in the circle in a circle. But now I just think kids think of it as a business so much. Just like the NCAA does, I just think kids think of business. They think of who gives me the best chance that if I'm in this position, I can go to the NFL. And if a coach could come out and recruit and sell that to them, I think they just as wishy washy as anybody. But we're critical of them. But we just had a coach. Actually, the coach was from Little Rock, Arkansas. That went to UNLV basketball coach. He spurned. Mm-hmm. He just, I mean, just agreed to that, and then went to Texas Tech. I know. So I mean, Horrible. we have grown men coaches, and, and I don't know who's worse, him or the or Kirby Hokut. <laughs> okay, <laughs> him? Yeah, Kirby, yeah, yeah, Kirby Hokut. Okay, who goes after a coach that another school just hired a few days before? Yeah, Disgusting. Yeah. Who, who's worse, yeah, yeah. The, co- the coach for taking the job or the AD for going after the guy? Well, since I'm, I mean, Little Rock is like 45 minutes away. There's talk that he have his kids go to. He's from that area. And his kids go to the school, and I guess they were kind of dressing it up. But that's just horrible, man. You just can't do that. I mean, you just can't do that. You can't. It's hard for him to walk in and thank God it's basketball. He has an easier way. But if a football coach did that. Do you know how hard it would be for – I just – I can't imagine. It's beyond it's beyond my, my head. So I don't know how critical we can actually be of kids now when it's actually – that's just the way it, it happens. You know, like Perry is committed the second time. I mean, Tennessee is going to keep on trying to recruit harder and harder. I mean – I mean, what do you, how do you see – is there actually a solution for it at, at that? I don't even know if we can ever fix that issue. Um, but I, I don't know. I, 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 yeah. I, 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 and, oh, um, one last thing, one last thing. 
On the offensive line, I know the offensive line coach didn't even speak about the second team. Um, and I know I think we have Barman. <laughs> um, that was funny. If I that was mispronounced, <laughs> mispronounced yeah, his name, Bar- Milo, Milo. Bar- Milo. Yeah, I think he's doing yeah. okay. Just okay. okay. I mean, I mean, Tyree St. Louis is doing better. Okay. Okay. But, yeah, that was, that was my concern, too, because the running back, first question was with the running backs that we have. Um, I think we could, if the offensive line was pretty good, I actually think uh, the other guys would have a chance, like the Yearby, the Edwards, the Walton. I think they could really, really show up if the offensive line could do their part on that. Yeah, uh, I'm going to just go ahead and go. And you could just put me on mute or whatever, and, and I'll you just listen. It. You got it. But I, I, I do agree what you say. I think they're very workmanlike backs who can get the job done if they get good blocking. They're not going to – they're not going to be able to make crazy things happen if they don't, uh, and they're not franchise running backs, but they're good serviceable running backs, and you know we'll see what Homer brings when he comes in August. Let's go out now to the 904. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Garrett. Yes, sir. Who's this? Garrett. This is Mike. Jacksonville. What's up, Mike? Back Welcome 22. to the show. Hey, good to be on. Good to be on. I'm actually the guy that asked about the bubble screen. <laughs> it's really, that was really kind of a joke. You know what I'm saying, but kind of serious uh-huh. too. But uh, I just want to piggyback a little bit off of uh, what one of the callers talked about earlier, talking about um, FSU and their life and all that. And, and you're right; they've been right for the last two years. And the last two years, I thought we had them. Like, was was it last year, or the? It might have been both years. We was up pretty decent at yeah, the halftime. The last two years, and, they had a legitimate chance to win that game. Yeah, but then in the second half, you could see the obvious lack of adjustments from from our whole coaching staff, probably mainly on the offensive side. And then, but you saw Jimbo obviously made the right adjustments, and they and they pulled it out. And still, they, we still had they had the opportunity to win last year, but we just we couldn't make that drive at the end. You know what I mean? But what I'm saying though is, I think the difference. This year is going to be we got Mark Rick calling our offense instead of a wide receivers coach. I mean, I, I I think that should be the difference. You know what I mean to win to to beat them this year. You know what I mean because I mean Jimbo Fisher is a good coach, but I don't really see him as like some guy that's like impossible to beat because he gets top like five recruiting classes every year and they just they're I mean, yeah, they won the whole thing not long ago, but I'm not really. I don't know. You, I mean, you kind of get where I'm coming from. Yeah, I mean, you know, it'll be a football game like any other. <laughs> you know, I mean, it'll depend how the game plays out. But uh, but I but agree I, with uh, I agree uh, with you, Coach Rick's going to be able to hang schematically. I don't think he'll be outclassed. Yeah. He won't be outclassed. Right. It, it'll be interesting too because you know. They're, kind of both like Bobby Bowden disciples somewhat. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That would be an interesting subplot. But I think that's the – to me, that's the main thing. It's cool to talk about recruiting and stuff like that. Right now it's really not a whole lot, you know, to really talk about. But I think that, you know, as long as we go in there undefeated and if we win that game, I think that's going to be the big the big turnaround right there in, in recruiting because – I mean, I hate to see all them guys going to FSU, especially from South Florida, Trap County and stuff. 
You know what I mean? Just because they just been so dominant. I mean, they ain't even really been dominant. They just been like winning. That's what trips me out. It's like, why is all them guys even go there? Because they don't even really. I mean, you know, they're good. I can't take nothing from them. But, but yeah, I just think, uh, I think Rick's gonna make the difference this year. Because plus, they some kind of preseason ranking got them like, uh, or I don't know if they even call it preseason ranking, whatever it is, like off season right now. But whatever it is, I think somebody had them ranked like number two. And they had the Canes actually ranked like number thirteen or fourteen, just for like a. It was like something like I don't know if it was USA Today or what it was, but uh, but somebody said uh, I was like, how is FSU ranked so high and they don't even going to hardly have a quarter? I mean, they got well, a quarterback, done, but they ain't going to have. They've done a great job recruiting for several sustained years, and that's people, what I heard. They're loaded on both sides, but I don't yeah. even really. All I know is they lost Ramsey, and they ain't really got a great quarterback. <laughs> so I'm like, People know what kind of athletes they have, and, um, you know, so, so that's why. All right, you got anything else for us tonight? Nah, not tonight. I appreciate you All having right. me on, Gary. Hey, you got it. Thanks for being part of the show. Uh, let's go to the 703. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. How you doing? Good. Who's this? Uh, this is Danny. We uh, spoke last week about Mike Harley. Yeah, yeah. What's up, man? Not much. Um, so you were talking about the receivers earlier. I just want to know, how many do you think we're going to take in this class, being as we already have two committed? I would think at least five. I wouldn't be shocked. At least five. Not. Oh, yeah, at least five. Okay. Maybe, and, um, you know, maybe more. I hear you talking about Grimes and Judy, and I think we have a good chance at Judy. I, I have family who goes to St. Thomas. I don't think we get Grimes. I mean, he's been saying he's going to Ohio State for a long time now. But um, what do you think about Robinson? Because I think that kid's a stud, and he's down from down here too. I, I think that there's probably 25 receivers right now that are studs that they're recruiting, and you know they're going to have to get down to the nitty-gritty and, and put a pecking order together. I mean, there's a lot of kids. I mean, there's receivers all over the place, and 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 you know every time you turn around, there's another one coming through campus. So um, I I think you know the coaches are going to have to go out here in the next month or so and do their evaluations, and then they're going to come back and they're going to they're going to figure out their pecking order, and they're going to have a better idea where they stand with the kids, particularly the ones outside of South Florida, uh, and then we'll be able to figure out better who their priorities are. I don't even I don't know gotcha. what they know right now. I mean, obviously they know Judy and Grimes are priorities, but you know they, they've got to go out and 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 do their homework on these kids and then sit down and compare. But Robinson was on campus not too long ago, wasn't he? Yeah, I there's I saw been, a story there, uh, every every day. There's constant receivers coming through campus. I mean, the word is out. <laughs> okay, they've done a great yeah. job. The word the word is out around the country. Miami needs receivers. And yeah, they're I like all, that kid Judson too, who was supposed to be on campus not too long ago, but I don't hear much from him anymore. They're all coming through. Okay, listen to me. They're all coming. They're, they're, every almost every receiver that looks like he's going to be a top tier Division one kid is either coming through already or or making plans to come through. Um, like I said, the coaches have done a great job getting the word out that they're looking for receivers. So, all right. You know, we'll we'll see how it all develops. You know. All right, and then positively for this year, you know, I've, I've 
told you before, I think the schedule is incredibly easy this year. So I think we're going to have a good year with Kaya, the schedule setting up, all that kind of stuff. Um, the one bad thing I see numbers-wise, we're in real trouble next year, losing our entire secondary. We've got a bunch of guys behind them who I think probably, you know, 50% of them probably shouldn't be Hurricanes. Um, how did we go last recruiting class, recruiting one offensive lineman, basically one premier cornerback, one defensive tackle, if that? I mean, we got the linebackers we wanted, we got the receivers we wanted, but we missed so badly on so many positions last recruiting class. I know it was new, but we did well at other positions. How do you go through a recruiting class recruiting one of these positions that are pretty much our worst positions on our team? I mean, I'm scared of how our roster is going to look for the 2000, what, 18 season? Is that it? Hello? 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 guys um i got momentarily knocked off there um but yeah it's not looking great it's 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 not uh not not looking great right now at, at that position and it's going to have to get a lot of attention i think they're going to look go look for some juco's maybe that they can bring in in mid year and that can that can kind of shore that position up I, it, it's it's a drastic situation and there's no doubt about it yeah, because I, I was actually a JUCO player for basketball, and some coaches just are all for it, and some coaches won't touch him because of the two years. So they don't, you know, they think it messes the numbers up, which I actually agree with. Um, but I just, I don't know. I don't know how you take one offensive tackle, one defensive tackle, one cornerback when we got a bunch of guys who probably shouldn't even be on those units. But I guess there's not much you can do. Listen, um, the, the, pro, the program hasn't been being run properly. We know that. You know, that's yeah. no secret. Um, and then also, uh, in regards to Walton, I think some people are shortchanging the kid a little bit. If you look at a guy like Bird, who, you know, obviously burnt us at the last minute, that kid was almost 20 years old when he left high school. Mark Walton was, what, 17? So that would be basically the equivalent of Mark Walton playing high school football two years from now. If that was the case, he'd be the number one recruit in the nation. Um, he'd rush for 300 yards a game with 10 touchdowns every game. So I think people need to realize how young this kid is. He skipped his senior year. He was only, I think, 17 going into his junior year, um, where, you know, kids like Berger, almost 20 freaking years old, playing high school football, which is insane if you really think about it. Yeah, no, no doubt. So I, I watched I watched Walton in person um, in high school. I thought he was great. Um, oh, he's a very good football player, I, I, very consistent. You know, if if he only had that breakaway gear, he he would really be something else. He just doesn't no, have I agree. that. He just doesn't have that gear. You know, he's a but he's a very good football player. He was he's one of the tough. best put together seventeen year olds I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, physically. Uh, yeah, he's tough. He's consistent. You can't you just, there's not you can't say anything bad about Mark Walton. He just isn't blessed with that four four. You know. Yeah. Um, and then just the last question, I know it's going to be a little off topic, but watching the spring game, is there any uh, kind of information? Are we getting the uniforms this year? New uniforms? The uniforms, just anything, the feathers off the sides, any kind of change of the uniform, I mean, are we sticking with the same thing? 
We have we have we haven't heard anything on that. All right, fair enough. I mean, I, I find it hard to believe they're going to totally remake the uniforms. They've only you had them for one year. I mean, they, you know, no. Like, I mean, I just want like maybe just some stripes on the sleeves instead of the feathers, I and mean, they, maybe take them in. You know, you might see you might see one, you know, a, a variation or something. I you know, I don't know. I'd be stunned if they redid the whole thing though. I mean, Harbaugh went up to Michigan and had him completely change the you know the first year he was there. So yeah, we have not heard that. We have not heard that that's happening here. All right, fair enough. Um, all right, all right. Well, that's all I got, man. All right, man. Thanks for being part of the show. All right, before we run out of time here, I, I do want to address um, a couple more of these questions that came in from the posters of canesport.com. Um, one of them specifically dealing with the NFL draft, since that's coming up. And um, we actually had a chance today uh, to, to speak to ESPN draft analyst Mel Kuyper, um, as well as to, um, Todd McShay. And uh, we, we had a, had a chance to sort of pick their brains on on how they see the draft going uh, for for the Hurricanes. And um, everything that we're hearing on Artie Burns from Kuiper and our NFL sources uh, is that he, he could rise possibly into the latter parts of the first round, um, more likely to be a second-round pick. Uh, and the, the thing I've heard is that pe- people were really – feel like Artie Burns could have benefited by staying at Miami one more year, that had he, he come back and continued to develop and had a really good season next year, that he maybe could have been a top 15 pick in the 2017 NFL draft. Um, but you can't turn it back, the, the clock, obviously, and he's decided to go out this year. And uh, it's looking right now like he'll, he'll be a top second-round pick but could sneak into the latter parts of the, of the first round. And um, the guy who's rising – uh, from this from this group of hurricanes is Dion Bush. Um, we've heard from NFL people that he could go in the third round. Uh, Mel Kiper told us today third or fourth. Um, but Dion Bush has impressed the NFL people. Uh, they really like his range. They like his athleticism um, and his playmaking ability. So uh, he's he's um, probably in the top ten among safeties around the country and should be should be drafted around the third round. And other than that, the only other Hurricanes that they were willing to predict uh, might be drafted is Rayshon Scott, that uh, he could go like in the sixth or seventh round. And, uh, you know, Tracy Howard and, the, and, um, and McCord and those guys just aren't getting a lot of uh, respect, it doesn't look like, from the NFL folks. And uh, they're all looking at uh, free agent opportunities right now more than likely. Uh, so see what happens there, but I, I, I did want to uh, address that uh, so so we could talk about the NFL draft a little bit. Um, question came in about Mark Walton. We just spoke about him on the show, um, about whether he it seemed like he was separating himself from the other backs. Uh, um, <clears throat> I'm not sure there's a lot of separation that we could speak about, but you know I think he he clearly had a great spring and will be a huge part of this offense in the fall. Um, what were our impressions of Shaq Quarterman? Uh, is he mature beyond his years, as some people are saying about him? Uh, obviously, there is no question about that. Shaq Quarterman is, is a little bit freakish. I mean, you just don't see true freshmen come in and start like this at the beginning of a spring practice and um, got to give him a, a world of credit for what he's getting done um, in that regard. Um, do we feel that it's possible 
based on the way they played the spring, Cager, Lewis, Langham, that they could be passed by the freshmen coming in, Richards, Amon Richards, um, Sam Bruce, and Deontay Mullins, um, the way that Daryl Jones, Reggie Wayne, and Santana Moss did in 97. Um, I'd be shocked if I, I, if Cager isn't part of the mix in the fall. Um, Malcolm Lewis did some nice things. I mean, he's just got to keep working on his speed and see what he, if he can ever, ever get that speed back that he lost when he got hurt as a true freshman. Um, but also without question, those three freshman receivers are going to come in and play. All right, 646-595-2048. Hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Um, we got, let's see, about about 15 minutes or so left. Let's go out to the 786. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gabby, how's it going, man? It's going good. Who's this? Um, this is Louie 91 How you doing this evening? Doing well. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about recruiting. Um, looking at the re- recruits that we have now, I just wanted to know when the next um, evaluation would be um, for rivals, if you know. Um, they're constantly ongoing. I don't know the exact date of the next release, uh, but I can tell you that they've been every weekend. There's been a different rivals camp in different parts of the country. They're getting a really good firsthand look at all these different athletes. And as the summer months get here, I think there's going to be a lot more integrity to the rankings because the, the, the guys that are doing the rankings are going to have had the opportunity to actually see the kids up close and personal. And um, so every t- every rankings release that you see, I think. Um, carries a little bit more credibility to it. You know, at least that's that's my opinion on it. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I'm looking at some of our recruits, and I definitely think we have more talent than um, what Rivals is saying right now. I like a kid like Nikosi Perry, um, Jonathan Ford, Chris Henderson might be the fastest player in Dade. I mean, hopefully they get a bump in their ranking, so I'm really looking forward to that. And, well, they don't um, – they don't look at it like that, you know. They, they, okay. they, the way they, they the way they look at it is they're comparing these kids against all the other kids that they see around the country, and uh, you know they're not sitting there saying, "Oh, geez, you know this kid is a Miami commit. We got to rank him a four star." They're comparing Chris Henderson to every other DB in the country. So we'll see what happens. Okay, well, no problem. And um, last thing on. Um, I mean, I'm trying to temper my expectations for this team. I mean, I, I got a good look at them during spring and some of the videos. I mean, I'm looking at our schedule. I mean, we get Florida State at home this year, North Carolina at home. I think our hardest games are Virginia Tech um, and Notre Dame away. So, it's like, I'm trying to figure out how to – what to expect from this Mark Rick-led team. I mean, what are your thoughts? I'm looking my at it right now thinking – Everybody mm-hmm. should take it one week at a time. <laughs> Those are my okay, thoughts. Right, right, right. You got, you got, right. You got a nice little schedule there early in the year. Uh, hopefully, they take care of business and um, and kind of get their feet under them a little bit. And uh, right. and then you then you go to Atlanta and you and you take your best shot against Georgia Tech. And to me, that's the swing game of the season. If they if right. if they don't slip up in the first three games and they go to Atlanta and beat Georgia Tech in Atlanta and are sitting there four and zero. You know, obviously the, that's you know just absolutely phenomenal, and I and I I really think that Georgia Tech game to me is the biggest game of the year because to me that's the game that's going to determine whether it's a season that exceeds expectations or struggles to meet them. Right, um, and do you know if Manny Diaz has any um, 
any experience with the um, option and the triple option. So that that exactly what you said is probably a key game because we don't know how he's going to handle that game. So do you know if he has any experience with the option? I don't think it's extensive. You know, I, I mean, he was he was at Mississippi State. He was at Texas. Uh, I don't believe they played option teams. So, right. you know, that's going to be a challenge for Manny. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Gary, thank you so much, ma'am. I listen all the time, and you're doing a great job. Um, have a great night. All right, man. Thanks for being part of the show. All right, let's go out now to the 240. You are live on Kane Sport Live. What's up, Gary? Good. Who's this? This is uh, D Black. Hey, what's up, D Black? What you got for us this week? Did you get a chance to see the uh, spring game? Yeah, I did. I, I checked it out. I, I, I love, I love the playbook. I, I love, I love it's the great, playbook. Isn't it? I love how. Yes, it's awesome. It's, it's awesome, and I, I love how he uses Chris Harrington. You know, I love how he uses him as an H back, fullback, slipping him out into the backfield. It, it all. It, one of the plays that they ran on set on uh, on the spring, spring game reminded me of a play that we ran in the national championship game against Nebraska, where we had Jeremy Shockey at fullback and shifted him in motion and ran him up the seam for a touchdown. Perfect, <laughs> perfect. I mean, just having Coach Rip to me automatically to me this is my opinion automatically gives us an additional two wins or three. Because this is a guy who's seen it all. He's been there. He's done that. So it's not a defense he hasn't seen. It's not a situation he hasn't been in. So, yeah, I'm going to take it week by week. But I have more faith in him being able to adjust at halftime than what our previous staff was able to do. Um, The linebackers, the freshman linebackers, I mean, there ain't too much I can say. But what a tremendous job they've done to come in here when they should be getting ready to go to prom and, and master the playbook and have, have, have a potential to be two starting backers as freshmen coming into the fall. And um, Danny Isadora, he, he, he's stepping his game up. I like what I see from him. Um, hopefully everybody else, you know, once we get Linder and the doc, and uh, Sonny back, hopefully, you know, the offensive the starting offensive line could be serviceable. But, you know, I'm, I'm – I'm happy, like what Coach, like Coach Rich said, we need more speed at, at wide receiver. We, we, and if we get more speed at wide receiver, that'll help out the running game a whole lot. That'll help out the running game because that will open up that box. That will, that'll take some of them extra men that they're going to put in the box, that's going to take them out because they got to worry about the speed on the outside. So I definitely understand where Coach Rich is coming from with that. Um, recruiting? I mean, right now it's it's it's, it's early, so it is, it's gonna be what it's gonna be, you know. Seventeen-year-old children, uh, young men, gonna be what they are. You know, they want to be courted. You know, like the pretty girl at the dance. So you know, it's gonna be what it's gonna be. You know, we, let's talk about it further when you know we get around November, December, and see what's up. But you said five wide receivers, huh, Gary? That we may take this year. I, I think at least. What about DBs? You think we'll take another five? Think we would take five there too? Yeah, I would. <laughs> right. I mean, they, they need they need them. Right. So, question: um, Any any word or any any late jucos on the defensive side? Like not in the not yet. Backfield. Not yet, but I but you know they're out there looking, and, and when they're out on the road in May, they'll be looking. Um, 
it, it, that can happen all the way up into June, even July. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But you were right. You said I was gonna love to play. I was gonna love the offense, the play calling. Yeah, it's great. It was. It was. It's awesome. You know, just imagine what it'd be with some speed out there to go yep. with Coley. And uh, no you know, just imagine. Or even Coley. You didn't get to see Coley on on Saturday. Exactly. So just imagine, you know, like a Coley and someone like Shifty, like a Sam Bruce mixed with a Braxton Berrios and a Ma Richards. Just, you know, just thinking of what, can, what the offense could be like. And then you got that man-child, the Joku inheritance at your tight end H-back. I mean, it, make, it, makes for, it makes for a pretty good offense, and, and, you got a, and you got the sheriff. I'm going to steal that name, the sheriff back there as your quarterback. You know, it makes, makes for a pretty good offense as long as the offensive line can, can, can do their part. So, you know, I just can't wait for the season to get here. You know, the stadium is uh, be finished in August. You know, came football. I was happy to see 300 alumni show back up, opposed to 80 last year. We had 300 former players, so that was yep. that was a plus. What do you think of this idea? Then I'm gonna let you go. The third week of the season, right? The NCAA ban is lifted, so alumni players could be on the sideline, right? Now you remember that one game where Mark Rick was at Georgia, and they scored a touchdown. I think they were playing Florida, and he sent the whole team out to get a celebration penalty. Remember that? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yep. All right. What do you think about that game, that that first home game, where we can have the players back on the sideline, that they that they lead Man, us out the tunnel, they lead us out I the tunnel. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know how they're going to handle all this. I, I I mean, you can't have 300 former players on the sideline. No, no, I just no, no. Yeah, I'm so, saying so, 300. So yeah, I mean, I I know I know it's it, it's been a topic of conversation, and some people are being presumptuous, and I. And I don't know what the policy is going to be. Um, I just know you can't have everybody on the sideline. And, and I don't know how they're going to decide who gets on the sideline and many, if, if they allow any. You know, I just don't know what they're going to do. I mean, there's just so many of these guys. You're right. But, like, when you watch Alabama games, Mark Ingram is always on the sideline. So there should be certain players that automatically should be on the sideline. Oh, and, 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 and you got to figure out who's – and if that's the case, who's going to decide who those players are? You know, it, I mean, it, that's – it's it's tough, you man. Might. It's I'm telling you, this is not an easy issue for these guys, and I'll be interested to see how they handle it. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was just a it was just an idea of having some of the former players come out that tunnel, you know, leading the team out after the NCAA double, after the band is lifted. I'm not saying 300, but maybe say if it's 20 players that's, that's at the game, you know, say if it's 15. Hey, let them leave that squad out. I don't believe it was the NCAA that said former players can't be on the field. I believe it was the university that set that policy. Okay. So. All right. We'll see. Well, that's all I got for you tonight, Gary. Thanks, as always. Hey, thanks for a great year of being part of the show, and uh, hope you'll be back with us uh, in August when we come back. Of course. You know I will. Kane Kane, what's up, man? All right, man. Thank you, D-Black. All right, Gary. All right, I got uh, a few more guys on the board here. We got about five minutes of show, so when I bring you on, keep your comments tight, and let's see if we can get everybody on. Uh, let's go to the nine seven three. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Um, what's going on, man? It's it's Ross in Jersey. Hey, what's up, Ross? What you got for us? Hey, man. I'm you know um like everything that you guys are talking about tonight. Um, kind of want to touch on them, but it's time is short. Yeah, but, just give um, it to something... quick. Yeah, something came up late, and it annoyed me. 
And I know I was calling, I'm always annoyed, I'm always upset, but I feel real bad for McCord. I do. I feel real bad for McCord. I think um, the old regime used him. When I mean by used, it just didn't use him right. No. And I think Ross, Ross he's, a twe- he's a tweener, Ross. He's always been a tweener. Um, he was a tweener when he stepped foot on campus. He was a tweener when he left campus. Well, find a, well, find a spot for him then is what I'm saying. I think they was just inept enough to not be able to find a spot yeah, for him. He, he's not big enough to play defensive end in the NFL, and he's not good enough to play linebacker. And I just think that they, they misused him. And um, luckily, we have a guy that be able to go back in that area again and get ball players because they're lucky about that because usually I'll take another ball player from up there won't won't commit to them anymore. But they yeah, were able to do it. I, I don't agree with you on that one. I think, no, he, just, he, I think he's just a tweener. He's, he is what he is. They tried to make him a pass rusher. He wasn't a great pass rusher. He was an okay pass rusher, made some occasional plays. But he's just he's, he's not an NFL football player. Oh, well, I just feel like, he, you know, he was just misused. But anyway, um, let's skip over to the running backs. You know, people are saying that we don't have um, breakaway running backs. I do agree that we don't have those guys. But I think if we could just show up the offensive line, put the guys where they're supposed to be finally, I think that they'll be able to create some holes and we'll be able to get five or six yards a pop, and we're going to have top, top-notch top wide receivers. Look at Barrios. Now we're seeing how he used. he's supposed to be used. Mm-hmm. Now we're seeing how he's supposed to be used. Where he, you know, he's, he, he's doing curls. He's coming across the, the middle. He's going touchdowns. He looks good. And that's how he was supposed to be used. Yeah, you know, so it's just it's just a matter of uh, different coaching styles, you know, better guys, and this is what the guys are supposed to look like. I'm excited about the linebackers. Um, you know, I, I'm always been a little jealous of the um, Ohio State and the Florida State. They get guys to come in and, you know, they're freshmen and they're starting at the linebacker spot. I think it's Ohio State got the kid McCain or McClendon or whatever his name is, and he started right away at um, Ohio State. And I'm glad that we're going to have one of those guys ourselves. I feel good about that. And then one more, and then uh, you can let me off. I do agree with most of the people that called in and said about the, um, you know, your friends over there on the uh, broadcast. They do have to clean it up, Joe Gary, because what? No, let me no, let me tell you. I'm gonna tell you what they did wrong. What they was doing wrong. They was coming out of commercials. They weren't really letting us know what this. First of all, we was missing like three or four plays of pop coming out of the commercials. Then they'll get off on this talking about things from the past and. You know, plays that, you know, golden. And it's just like they, they let the stuff go and help us understand what's going on on the field. And we can't afford to have anything like that looking real bad when we have viewers. That game finally came on TV today, and I know that wasn't a good look. It finally came on ESPNU. And, again, I can't afford to, fan base can't afford to have anything used against us in recruiting. Just can't afford it. So I'm just going, you know, I'm just going to close my comments and say they need to clean it up. Those are your friends, but hey, the truth is the truth. All right, Ross. Hey, thanks for being part of the show all year. We'll, we'll, uh, all right, man. Let's. We'll talk to you in August. Hey, Gary. Hey, hey, one more last thing. Can you? I know, you know, some guys asked you a few questions tonight, and you was like, I don't know. Is, is it possible? You know, when we start calling you again in August, just have a list for us or so. Can you bring on some guys, maybe the defensive coordinator, or probably do an interview with him and then replay it for us exclusively just for us so you can play before the game or in the middle of the show? Yeah, yeah we do that. We always try to do that. All right, appreciate it. All right, Ross, yeah.
take care. Have have a good summer. Let's go to the 904. You're live on King Sport Live. Oh my God. <laughs> All right. Last call of the night. Let's go out to the 305. You're live on King Sport Live. What's happening, Gary? Doing good. Who's this? Jcat2410. What's up, man? What you got? Not not much. Congratulations on another Kane uh, Sports season. Uh, four quick points. Uh, in regards to former players coming to the games, uh, I, I think they should have some sort of a lottery uh, for the players and maybe some seating in the stands for them to accommodate them. I, it seems like a simple solution. Um, I went to the spring game. The team split in two uh, for the spring game was unfair on one side, obviously. Uh, but I think this team as one will be very special. Um, you know, I, I think we need, need to simply win and keep players home. Uh, so we're not asking ourselves, uh, where is that running back at, like the caller four or five t- uh, callers ago. Uh, and last but not least, teams that only run the option are outdated and don't scare me. Uh, yeah, if we played an option team ten times, I think we win seven of those games. Uh, that is it. That's all I got. And I wish you a great summer, brother. All right, man. Thanks for being part of the show. All right, before we go here, I just want to touch on some of these questions and comments uh, that we didn't get to um, earlier in the show uh, that were submitted by the um, posters on canesport.com message board. Uh, if we had to put a number on it, how long do we think it'll be before the football team's back to competing for championships? Um, you know, I think if everything goes great this year, they can compete for the conference title this year. But if you're talking about national championships and that sort of thing, uh, I think you're going to have to replace Brad Kaya after this year. I think there's a lot of holes on the roster. Um, I'll say three years. I, th- I, I think in about three years, Mark Richt uh, will have this program um, in, a, in a much better state. Uh, than, than what it's in right now. Um, has there been significant improvement on the lines with coaches Searles and Kuligowski? Uh I don't think there's any question that the defensive line under Coach Cool has more depth uh, and more guys that can contribute. Um, on the O-line, I think the top six or seven are decent. I think they're challenged after that, and uh, Stacey Seals has his work cut out for him if he wants to get to the point where he's got nine, ten guys that he could put into a football game. Um Try to address some of the ridiculous expectations that fans have for next season. I'm not sure fans have ridiculous expectations. I think they're hoping that with the schedule shaping up the way it is, that this can be maybe a 10-win football team. I'm not sure you know, that 8 or 9 isn't more realistic, but uh, a lot's going to depend, like I said, on that Georgia Tech game. Uh, no doubt about it. You beat Georgia Tech in Atlanta, then I think you have a chance to, to win 10 games on the season. We'll see what happens. Um, Lack of depth at the corner position, you know, obviously it's, it, it's really, really bad. No, no, no point in really elaborating much there. We spoke about it during, during the show. Uh, what sort of things is the staff doing to reduce penalties uh, that have troubled the team over the past few years? Well, they have refs every day at practice, um, but every coach does that. But, uh, you know, they've, they have been having refs every day on the practice field, calling things, pointing play, things out to players if they see uh, that they're doing things that would get called. Um, during a game. Um, Indoor practice facility talks ramping up. Um, When's it going to get done? Um, I think they'll have the money, uh, the seed money raised by the end of the year. Um, I think it'll probably take another four, five, six months after that to get all the permitting and everything done. And then I think you're looking at an 18-month construction. So 
Uh, if they get this thing done to where the team is going into that building before the 2018 season, um, I think that's the realistic timeline. I'm not sure it can happen before that. Uh, what are we hearing about Deontay Mullins' academic status? Um, everything we hear is that he will qualify and he'll be able to enroll at Miami uh, for the fall. They're working really hard with him over at um, Miami Gulliver. Um, Mark Rick football camps this summer, how will they differ from Al Golden's? Um, going to be kind of similar, actually. Uh, they're going to have a, a lot of seven-on-seven seven, uh, camps, and then they're gonna have, they'll have different skills camps uh, by different age groups for the, uh, for the other kids. A uh, very extensive camp schedule that we've seen. Um, uh, the, the team camps, which are seven-on-sevens, um, we're seeing six days of those on the schedule, June 9th, 10th, and 11th and June 16th, 17th, and 18th. And then they've got um, a kicking camp on June 12th. Uh, they've got a three-day camp June 13th to 15th, another kicking camp on the 19th. Um, they've got a camp for 7th and 8th graders on the 20th, for 9th and 10th graders on the 21st, uh, for 11th graders on the 22nd, and for 12th graders on the 23rd. So a uh, very aggressive camp schedule in the month of June for Mark Richt and his coaching staff. And uh Looks pretty good to me. I mean, I, I it's, it, it, it looks like without a question the most extensive camp format and lineup that they've ever had at Miami. So, um, you know, that'll give them a chance to see all the kids coming up in South Florida, not just the guys they'll be recruiting for this year who are going into 12th grade, but they'll be able to look at the 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, and 11th graders um, very extensively also. With spring recruiting starting, what are the priorities? Without question, receiver, offensive line, and defensive back um, would, would have to fit in there. And does Coach Laranega still have scholarships to give for next year's basketball team? Uh, yes, they have two scholarships. They're primarily fishing for fifth-year transfers. Who can help them next year? <clears throat> All right, guys, great show tonight. I uh, hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. It's, it's, it's been obviously a pleasure. Uh, to do these shows all through the football season and here into April. Um, but now we're going to give everybody time to, to spend Tuesday nights with their families and their, their girlfriends and wives and everybody else, um, get them all feeling good about things before we, we all come back together and, and, and go into the grind every Tuesday night, um, starting in late August through the fall, um, when things shut down on Tuesday night as the Canes Nation meets on Canes Sport Live. So thank you, everybody, for listening and being part of the show. I hope everybody has a great summer. We're not going anywhere. If you need anything during the summer, just post it on the message boards at canesport.com, and um, we'll be there for you, as always. Have a great summer, everybody. We'll talk to you again on Canes Sport Live in August. 